0: Welcome, everybody. We're glad you're joining us. we getting some final touches finished up. We're going to live stream right here from Merino Valley, California. But We're glad you joined us. Um, our website, Sovereign Grace CC, we'll have to be posting a lot on there. Facebook, Instagram, we'll try to keep you guys updated. Uh, but let's just go ahead and open the uh, this morning in a time of prayer. So, bow your heads with me if you would. Father, we just thank you for this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified, that you would be magnified in all that we say, in all that we do, Father. And uh, that despite these trying times, Lord, that you would work in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, if you can just read with your family at home, or those of us here, we're going to read together from Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you.
1: They tell the glory of your kingdom
0: and speak of your might so that all the people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, And you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, and all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. 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 Now if you would sing with us, most of you know this, In Christ Alone. In
1: Christ Alone.
0: just say it together now. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name.
1: Thy kingdom come, thy will be done,
0: on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass trespassed against us.
1: And lead us not into temptation,
0: but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This next song is called, It Is Well With My Soul. And in a time of such despair and fear and uncertainty. uh, We picked this song this morning because the writer of this song wrote not just a beautiful hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. But he did so at a time of great loss, great suffering. He had lost so much. Uh, One of his children had already passed away and he decided to take a trip to Europe with his wife and daughters. Uh, But business matters came up and he sent his wife and children ahead and said he would meet them there. The ship, his family was on sink and only his wife survived and as they rode the waters back to where his children drowned it is said he penned the words of this hymn and so it's a hymn of great power and great pain we see that God is still with us and God is our all in all so let's sing when peace,
1: peace like, like a river, river attendeth my
0: Joining us on Facebook, you know we're here if you're seeing us. Those of you on Instagram, we had some technical difficulties, but you should be seeing us at this point. We're gonna read a New Testament reading, Romans 8.38. And it should be a good reminder with all this going on. So let's read together. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our last song here before We have two more, but our last song before we get into some more of the word is holy, holy, holy. And when we think of God, we think of his holiness, we think of his love, we think of his majesty. But this term holy is the only term that's repeated three times. Not love, 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 or mercy, 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 or even wrath, wrath, wrath. But rather holy, holy. He is holy other, He is set apart. He is God and we are his... Let's sing this morning. Yes, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have saved us, that you have redeemed us. As our friend here said, that it's not the end, Lord, but it will be forever, for eternity. We thank you, Father, for sending your Son to redeem us and your Spirit to comfort us and give us the power, Lord, to praise you, to live for you, to glorify you, no matter what trial no matter what tribulation may come our way. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. I will call you back up to sing Amazing Grace here at the end. And we have very, hopefully these were songs easy for you to sing along. But I want to read for you guys the Lord's Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day One. And I'm going to try to adjust this focus briefly. It looks just a tad blur. Uh, There we go. A little bit. So Lord's Day One. This is from the Heidelberg Catechism. Last week we read the part of the New City Catechism, which is a shortened version, really, of the Lord's Day One. And so you can grab any of these seats. There's also some coffee. you like to grab it? Feel free if you're at home. But again, we're gonna have a shortened message for you guys today. I know it's hard with kids, and we have them here trying to keep focus. But this is what the kids used to memorize, uh, and. Let's go to the next slide. What is your only comfort in life and death? So this question of what is our only comfort? So this sounds similar to the New City Catechism we've been going through. But the Heidelberg gives us a little bit longer answer. And it says this, That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And it adds this, that He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. And He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation, because I belong to Him. Christ, by His Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on. To live for Him is that good news. Amen. And that Amen. Not a hair can fall from our head. Have you ever tried to count the amount of hairs you have, Dan? Never. It would probably take you a while. For me, it's pretty quick. <laughs> unless I count my beard, then even, that, even that's difficult. But to know in a trial and times like this that there is, in fact, uh, a God who orders all things, who plans all things, who controls all things, is assuring. I want to bring up a verse we read last week. This was from our memory verse from the New City Catechism. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are as the Lords. Romans 14. And continuing on with our memory verse from week two. So if you haven't been doing the catechism, you're just tuning in for the first time, you might be like, I'm kind of lost. What's all these catechisms? Well, Wednesday nights we're going through... The New City Catechism, and it has a question and answer verse similar to what we saw, and then a memory verse. And this is our memory verse this week. And I think it ties in perfectly to what we're experiencing, ironically, in the world today. And Psalm 86 says this, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, for there are none, for there are, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations have you made, that you have made, and shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. But you, O Lord, are great and merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's the second time we heard that this morning, right? That God is slow to anger, that He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. We read that earlier in the Psalms in our reading. And this should be a reminder of a God who is good, a God who is merciful. Even with his justice, he is gracious and merciful to us. And we need that grace, and we need that mercy. And if you look at the world around us, if you look at America today, it is very deserving of judgment, very deserving of his wrath for all that's done. And we'll get into that in a moment, but... um, he is good to us as believers. We can pray to the Lord and He forgives sins because we have not been good to Him. We think of times past, we have been unfaithful, but He is faithful. Jonathan Edwards says this, The creator of the world is doubtless, also the governor of it. He that had power to give being to the world and set all parts of it in order has doubtless power to dispose of the world and to continue to order it as he has constituted, or to alter it. He that first gave the laws of nature must have all nature in his hands, so that it is evident, God who is the world in his hands, to dispose as he pleases. So is there anything outside of God's control? No. No. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: There's nothing. Nothing. And Jonathan Edwards goes on to say, and it is manifest, in fact, that God is not careless how the affairs and concerns of the world is he has made proceed, because He was not careless of this matter in creation itself, and it is it is apparent by the manner and order in which things were created that God, in creating, took care of the future progress and state of things in the world. And so, in times like this, we might think like the world has gone crazy. The world is uh, sometimes people say going to hell in a handbasket or fire, and the world's going to collapse. We know that God is in control. He sustains all things. And sometimes people say, well, it might be easy for them to say, right? They don't know what we're going through. But I assure you it's the opposite. That though we might have trials and tribulations, as all people throughout all times have had, that their sufferings were far greater than we could fathom just simply from the comforts, such as uh, houses, like we're meeting here right now, air conditionings, heaters, running water, Medicines, just the ability to have clothes to change into. As we started off in the Heidelberg Catechism, talking about our only comfort in life and death, right? And, it, and it's talking about comfort, and yet this was written at a time where there was great discomfort. The bubonic plague was ravishing Europe. Right now, we're dealing with the coronavirus, the COVID nineteen, as it's known, and there's. 20,000, I think it's up to now, somewhere around there, cases. 20,000 is a lot of people. I'm not even sure the deaths, okay? But however many hundreds or thousands that will be, keep in mind the bubonic plague wiped out one-third of Europe. Not a few hundred, not a few thousand, one-third of the population. So for all of us here, right, every one out of three of us would have succumbed to the plague. Now some, more than that, even got it. So people did get the plague and did recover, although it was very highly, highly contagious and highly fatal, much more than anything we've ever seen or heard of. Malaria, tuberculosis, cholera, all these things that when we look back into the history, killed thousands, if not millions. And yet... In fact, Jonathan Edwards himself, the person we quote, he died trying to find a smallpox vaccine. His doctor said, hey, get this vaccine, it will keep you safe from smallpox and it will help cure and eradicate smallpox. And he died from taking this inoculation, I should say, which was kind of the precursor to vaccines. So, he knows suffering. And as he was sick and, and dying, there's, look it up, the story of Jonathan Edwards and his deathbed. There's... Uh, it's hard to fathom, right, the, the 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 power of Christ, even in death. And not only to die with grace and dignity, but glorifying uh, the Lord. But we see this also with the writers of the Heidelberg, right? The bubonic plague broke out. One of the writers, there was two men that wrote it, one of them actually died of the plague because they stayed and ministered to the people in Geneva that had bubonic plague. Many people fled Geneva. There's actually a very... Wicked plan of those that hated Genevans and the reformers and Calvin, and they would go around to the doorknobs and they would get the dead uh, bodies and with the plague, and they would wipe it on the door handles of of the Genevan homes. And they were actually caught, and I believe they were actually executed because in the, that time, right, the fear—they didn't play around. You didn't get uh, uh, ten years for for you know uh, doing this or that. They they were very very fearful of death. In the sense of, because of you needed to be afraid of the plague, right? And so, uh, what they were doing was ultimately uh, an act of murder, trying to take people's lives and taking people's lives. And yet, many of these pastors, many of these men who were Christians at the time stayed and cared for those who were sick. Uh, and that's hard to fathom, you know, the, the leaders of the city fled, the, the the royal family they fled. They didn't they didn't want to be there. So I was born in a time of quarantine. Now we get it, right? There's many people that are afraid to come out, afraid to face what might be out there. And I and again, this is the plague is a million times worse than anything we're seeing or probably will ever see, just with the advent of, of cleanliness and health care and medicine and whatnot. But my point in getting to all this is that God controls all things. The writers of the Heidelberg, they weren't ignorant of pain and suffering. They dealt with it. And they understood their comfort in life and in death was ultimately in Christ. Because the reality is we're all going to die, whether that's a 20 or 200, right? No one will live at 200, but 100. And so are we eternally secure, right? Because we're not, we're not temporarily secure, right? We might be secure for at best 100 some years. But do we have eternal life is the true question. General Stonewall Jackson, when asked by his captain about going to battle, said this, very captivating quote. He was a Presbyterian himself. He says this, Captain, my religious belief teaches me that to feel as safe in battle as in bed. God has fixed the time for my death, and I do not concern myself about that. But to be always ready no matter when, and it may overtake me. Captain, that is the way all men should live, and then all would be equally brave. I want to go to this verse here in Luke 13. I, have the, I don't have the verse there, but it's Luke 13. This question arises. What are we dealing with? What are we going through? Why are we going through it? And there's millions of answers, right? And there's millions of theories, I should say, not answers, but there's... China blames the U.S. The U.S. blames China. Some people blame a secret nefarious organization. There's there's all these theories. But the reality is, is uh, even those who, who aren't entertaining uh, theories or, or trying to look into the mechanical means of how this comes about, we're like, is there a deeper picture here? Right? Is is God using this as a judgment? Uh, is this just something that's part of life? Because remember, with the curse comes these. These judgments from sin that remind us of our of our humanity, to remind us of our sin, and Adam all die. And so in this world, many people will say, well, why would a good God allow, and you name it. But in this world, God promises us pain, suffering, death, sickness, all these things, those are the consequence of sin. But the promise of eternal life is found in Christ. And if we look at the, when people say, why God, right? Why would God send him? his son to the earth to pay for our sin why would he allow him to go through that that punishment why would he allow him to suffer and die on our behalf so if we look to christ and say if this is the example of pure goodness how could he undergo that and we'd be so blessed right we didn't get crucified we didn't get beaten we we didn't do no wrong and without we didn't live our life without fault and still get accused and still have people hate us and persecute us we've done wrong we deserve persecution. And people can probably point out genuine faults in each of us. They couldn't in Christ. And yet they still killed him. But I want to read this verse. Now in Luke 13. Now there were some <clears throat> present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Are those 18 who died when the tower of Salome fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. And so he points us there. He points us there to the reality. That sin, death, bad circumstances. Sometimes people say, that guy had bad luck, right? And other times people say, no, there's no luck, right? It's just if, that, if a building dropped on that guy, that's God judging him. And, and Jesus says, one, all, all judgment, right? When we understand the Christian worldview, all judgment is, is ultimately what we deserve. Because we all sin, so we all deserve judgment. But it's not as though God is just, bam, zapping this guy for that, right? The building fell on him. Or these guys were killed and their blood was mixed with sacrifices. So that's God's judgment upon them. Like, that's God's direct judgment upon them. They were worse sinners. They were more deserving than us. Jesus says, no, no. Like, you're missing the point. There's judgment on all the world for sin, yes. But they're not worse sinners than anybody else because here's the point. The point is if you don't repent you will likewise perish. You will all perish, he tells them. The point is not that whether or not we're going to receive bad things or whether we're going to receive judgment. We're all deserving of bad things. We're all deserving of judgment. But the point is to repent, that we don't perish, that we don't perish eternally. And then he goes on to say this in this parable. Then he told this parable, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And when he went to look for it, or when he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down, why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine, if not, cut it down. Now the, the direct meaning of this parable should be obvious, or if it's not obvious to us, we look at the rest of the gospel, it should be obvious of what's going on here. Christ, who ministered to them for three years to the Jewish people, who are often represented as the, as a as the fig tree, allegorically or metaphorically in Scripture, was the Jewish people rejected Christ. He ministered for them for three years, right? And, and they should be cut off. They should be brought under judgment. But God said, give them a little more time. A little more time. So this is talking about the impending judgment upon Israel, upon the rejection of Christ by his people, by his covenant people. God had not made a covenant with the rest of the world. He had made it with Israel. And so Christ came to Israel, and his people, his own, rejected him, as the scripture said. And so they would be cut off, and the Gentiles would be grafted in, as Romans and the rest of scripture talks about. But, There is some application, I think, we could take from this. As we look back now, we say, well, it's those stupid Pharisees and Sadducees and Jews at that time not to receive Christ. But we really miss the bigger point, which is this. That God is, as we said, God is gracious and merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. But in all of us, there becomes a time of judgment. God bears with us only so long, right, before... That time of of judgment comes. Some it's sooner than others. But the scripture says the wicked are storing up wrath for the day of judgment. And so if we want to think of God punishing us or God punishing our nation, I wouldn't see so much be concerned with this virus that, like most viruses, will come and go. And I don't know the final toll. And I'm not going to try and predict the final toll, whether it's, be, whether it's being overblown or whether it will just die out. That's not the important case. The important case is to say this, that if God is going to judge us, if God's going to judge America, it's not going to be because we didn't quarantine ourselves or because the coronavirus is spreading or anything like that. If God is going to judge us, it's going to be similar to what we see in the Old Testament. That God takes a nation from one people and gives it to another. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing right now in America, worse than any coronavirus, is the death toll, right? Uh, We see abortion. We see the death toll of, of when we say homosexuality, we think it's an alternative lifestyle or just a a lifestyle that's ungodly. But there's a death toll of that. The AIDS virus has decimated not only American population, but the world. Right, this will spread all throughout the world. This AIDS or HIV was first called GRIDS, gay-related immune deficiency. We don't have time to get into all that, and people might get uneasy about that. But the reality is, is there was pain and suffering, and rather than we quarantine ourselves from coronavirus that spread to 20,000, right? And yet we promote alternative lifestyles that have killed millions. We have so, and it's not just abortion and homosexuality, right? I mean, we got uh, people right now, as we look at the world around us, we have people saying, hey, uh, an, an attitude of, of foreigners, right? Hey, these, get away from us. We're better. Right? We're we're Americans and you guys aren't. And so there's just a lack of, the scripture calls us to love the foreigner that sojourns among us. Right? And And it, we don't have an attitude of <clears throat> Christ or acceptance. We have a We believe in theft in this country, right? Mm. That's the reality if if we really think about it. When the Bible says do not steal, right, we're moving, whether that be Bernie Sanders, whoever we else want to mention, right now with the Republican establishment, we're moving in a direction of that, right? This money that we're dealing has to come from somewhere. The government doesn't have any money to give, right? So it has to come from someone to someone else. And so we're going to take it from some and give it to others. And that's what the Bible calls theft. And, again, these uh, are just some minor issues. Uh, another big issue is uh, the issue of human trafficking. We're just allowing it to go on. And you might be like, how so? Well, I, I was just re- signing a petition the other day. of had a half a million, which is good, but how many millions are in our country, of these children not only women but children that are being sex trafficked through these pornography sites and yet people not only are tuning in but are failing to really take a stand against these things right i mean so the, the slave trade today whether it be sex work forced labor so on and so forth is greater than the slave trade even in the the highest times of the north american uh, north atlantic slave trade And so we, these things go on around us, right? But what, what hits home is not that abortion has killed murder or million killed millions that a lot of times with our prison systems, like we're incarcerating, killing innocent people, obviously not all innocent people are are being killed. And on the flip side of that, you know, we have people that say, Hey, nobody should be killed. Nobody should receive the death penalty. The scripture is very clear. There should be justice, right? So you don't kill people for stealing. But likewise, murderers, you don't just give them five years and let them out. There needs to be justice. And so we're all, we got priorities backwards. And so if we should be judged, right, it should be for these things. But again, we're, we're, we're fearful of this. We're fearful of a virus. And and perhaps rightly so, because you can't see a virus. You don't know what it's going to attack you. You know, but as I think back to growing up, I think of uh, people are fearful of gang members. Somebody flashes your lights at you, don't flash them back. You guys remember mm-hmm. that, like on year because gang members just drive by and shoot you for no reason,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Now I'm not saying gang members are good guys, but the reality is gang members don't want heat from the cops anymore than anybody else. So they don't usually just go around shooting grandmas for no reason, right? Or uh, as we're seeing now with with the uh, illegal aliens, right, of just like, they're all criminals, they're just gonna come over here and shoot you and kill you and and this and that. And so there starts to be stereotypes, right, about people and ideas and fear gets put out. Hey, these guys from LA or these guys from uh, Mexico or these, whatever, liberals, conservatives, this group, that group, whatever it be, people wanna press fear and they use fear as a motivator, uh, whether it be the coronavirus or you name it. Taking away women's rights, right? They use that fear. Most people don't even know what that means, right? I don't. I don't want my rights taken away, right? Most women say. So I, yeah, I'm going to vote for this person. They're not going to take away my rights. And that right, all they're saying is, you have the you have the government exemption to murder, right? Or uh, uh, I have the right. I, I don't want somebody. I don't want the government infringing on my right to view what I want to view. So. They're saying, hey, we can't infringe upon pornography, but yet these people are being sex trafficked and sex saved and forced labor, all these things. We don't need to belabor them. But you see the point, is that we could say, God bless America all day long, we could talk about how great our economy is, or perhaps was, (laughs) what's going on right now, but the reality is, is that we as a nation need to repent, but even more so, we as a church need to care about the things that we should truly fear which those things are demonic and satanic mm-hmm. so i see the the church truly fearful of this virus and as I, again i understand it i get it this is something that uh, you don't see coming so people are fearful of that but there are things we do see coming we, there are things that we see all around us and the time that we take right now right to quarantine ourselves right are oh, we Let's put in the time to, to sign these petitions online. Let's put in time to to research these things online. Let's put in the time to uh, find ways to take stands against these things. So most of the time, people are just too busy. And I get it. That's the reality, right? People are working. They have their own families. We don't got time to involve ourselves in all these other things. But right now, everybody has time, or at least most people do. And so what can we do? What can we do with this spare time besides just watch the news or get scared on the latest thing going on here or there? Let's use our time wisely. Even apart from that, right, today, today is the Lord's Day. Uh, that's what John calls it in the book of Revelation, right? The Lord's Day. It was Sunday. It was the day that early Christians worshipped the Lord. So let's. So at the very least, let's take one day a week, right, to, to focus our minds, our, our attitudes, our hearts, our speech to the things of the Lord. So as you leave here today, don't just go back to normalcy and jump on... Facebook and all these different places if you're on there talk about the things of the Lord if you're with your family share the things of The Lord and let your conversations and speech today and every Sunday be on the Lord we and Ideally every day you're right, be things of the Lord, but we understand you got business to tend to you got work to do you have other uh, Temporal means and things to meet so not every day could be a day of studying the Bible but today on the Lord's Day, spend some time with your family. We're going to close in a song right now. And if you guys want to come up, you can. We're going to take communion in a moment here. But if you're home with your family, uh, spend some time in prayer after this. We're going to sing our final song together. But commune with your family in prayer. And pray that the Lord will allow you to come and commune with us once again. We pray for a quick end to this crisis that's breaking out. But I'll say this, for all the the negative that's happening right now, this really should allow us all to do a heart check, a reality check of where we're at, how is our time being used, right? This really causes us to say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how, at least for me, I didn't realize how just busy and burnt out and just focused on all these other things were until I was forced to just deal with not being able to do anything else, right? Deal with where I'm at, the reality of where I'm at. So, where are you at? Right, where are you at? What do you need to deal with? What do you need to change in your life going forward? Because sometimes times like these cause us to reflect and really think about what's truly important. So, what is truly important? God, as people say, family. People say, maybe, you know, our work, maybe a third thing to that. But people say those terms, but are they really living it, right? Is God really number one in our life? Is our family really a priority in our life? Is, you know, our church family truly meaningful to us? And so these things ultimately should make us think and ponder, and as we have this time, to really reflect on where we're at. And I encourage you guys, use this time. There's probably a lot of books you've wanted to read, things that uh, you've wanted to study that you haven't had time to do. Take that time. Do that now. This You probably won't get this much time again. Don't just waste it in frivolous activities. But grow stronger in the Lord during this time. We'll continue to uh, keep you updated on the situation and, and where we're going to meet continually for church. But throughout the week, I'll be... Encouraging you guys, trying to post some stuff every day. I post a daily devotional. I'll be posting some other stuff as well. Every Wednesday, we're going through the catechisms with our families. But at the very least, do these things. But most of us have the time to even go deeper. And uh, I'll try to encourage you guys by saying, things come to mind, I'll send them to you. But let's put aside our time for God and His glory. And as we repent as a people, as we repent as a church, as we grow closer to God, let's pray that the Lord doesn't work also in our country, that we can turn from these things. So let's sing this last song, Amazing Grace. This is going to be the original version. Most of you know it, so sing along with us. Through us, but...
1: Will you guys read one
0: more thing with us? We're gonna read the Apostles' Creed. This might be too small for you to see at home, but this is the oldest of the creeds. It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. and life, life everlasting. everlasting. Amen. 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 And before we close, I want to encourage you guys as we, we're we meeting in homes and churches are live streaming or churches are gathering much like we are and not live streaming, but just in small groups. Even in, in China, you have uh, these groups of churches that have been meeting and facing persecution, not only now, but in the past. And we look to this, 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 idea of the the universal church the catholic church with a lowercase c so sometimes people say why do you guys read a creed about you know the catholic church and and that being capital c right The, the, the roman catholic church but all catholic means is this the idea that we are universal people we are a people that god has called with the gospel from all over the world and so we have a communion with our brothers and sisters whether it be China, here, Mexico, Russia, what have you, those who believe in the gospel, right? Uh, and and so, so often we miss this as the church today, but there's a universality to the church, so there's a Catholicity to the church, right? We don't make up our own beliefs. We don't teach our own things. But we teach that which the apostles have taught from the early days until now. So raise your hands with you, if you would, for the benediction. One of the oldest benedictions, which was what Moses God told Moses to tell the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. 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 So as we close now here, we're going to stop our live stream and we're going to take communion here uh, with ourselves. those who are present. I just ask that you guys to continue to pray now with your family. Uh, Spend time conversating about the things we discussed. And we pray that the Lord would indeed bless you till next week. So love you guys. We pray to see you soon. Amen.